0: Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail podcast. We're gonna be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're gonna step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. all right guys welcome back to the mission whitetail podcast episode i think this is 11 i think it's 12 excuse me number 12 appreciate that um today we're going to dive right in as always and the topics we're going to cover are ozonics mock scrapes and give kind of a season update because we both have knocked down some bucks here in the opener so we'll maybe go through those setups and how we killed them and that sort of thing. Sound good to you? Let's do it. All right so let's start off with Ozonics because you get a lot of people ask about that about scent control and I was very anti Ozonics because of several things that I've experienced over the years. Um, I'll, I'll talk about one story real quick in Ohio was hunting with a guy up there, very experienced big buck killer, Um, had a ground blind and had been there since the ground blind, had been in this food plot since the spring, and this was late season. He was hunting over food late season and had a marginal wind, and I helped him get set up in that ground blind, and he had two Ozonics. He had one uh, on the window that the wind was blowing in and one on the window that the wind was blowing out so we had two of them running full steam and starting to get to be prime time a big lead doe came in about 40 yards downwind of the ground blind and immediately looked at the ground blind put her nose up in the air stomped snorted and hauled up you know took off out of there Um, so so when he got back that evening he told the story and he said I'm done with them that's everything you could possibly do Um, now whether she was smelling the ozone or whether she was smelling him we don't know but she spooked she freaked out and it was not because the ground blind had just been there because the ground blind had been put in there in the spring fast forward to us me and you Kevin in Kansas we ran them for a whole a whole hunt there seven eight ten days however long it was, and it didn't matter where, whether we were running it or not running it. If a deer got downwind of us and the thermals were dropping, they smelled us blue just like normal deer. So I I, I got finished with them. I said I'm not not using them anymore. Um, this year, two good buddies of mine from the Midwest convinced me to give them a new another try uh th- these are some of the premier big i'm not going to mention any names but premier big buck killers both of them have 200 inchers under the belt one of them has multiple 200 inchers they're they're hunting boone and Crockett's.
1: kind of narrowed it down
0: there <laughs> no i've got several buddies that have multiple 200 inchers so yeah i going yeah he he's short too maybe that narrows <laughs> it down <laughs> even more I'm not going to say the states near Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, mo- moving on. So I got two of them. I bought two of them. And um, so I killed a buck on opening day and did not have the Ozonics with me. Um, and we'll get into that story in a little bit. But then the second buck I killed was actually the second day I've hunted. So it's been, I've been very fortunate this year. I hunted twice, killed two bucks. Um, i had a marginal wind and it was hotter and more humid than 40 hills mm-hmm. if i can say that so i said you know what i'm taking the ozonics i'm going to give it a try if ever there's a chance to try it it is now so get in the tree it's 91 degrees 65 percent humidity and a one to three mile an hour wind blowing from the southeast Set the Ozonics up, put it up where it's supposed to be, over my head, facing, I guess if the wind's coming out of the southeast, I got it facing northwest, or I have it, no, I actually have, yeah, I have it facing the way the wind is coming, so that my scent is blowing into the Ozonic stream, if that made any sense. Sounds good to me. Okay, so I cut the thing on, and right away, it's noisy. I like to really be able to hear because I can hear them walking, hear them breaking twigs. And and so it's kind of like almost a sound machine hum. And it, it, it cuts down on my hearing and I'm not able to hear as well as I could. So I was like, all right, there's strike one. Um, apparently they've gotten a lot, a lot quieter and I could have had it too low to my head. I, I don't know, but it was making a noise and impeding me being able to hear. Um, when the wind would blow it was it was fine When the wind stopped blowing, I just smelled constant ozone, an ozone smell. And I thought all right, it's working man if I'm smelling this stuff, it's falling down you know got the waterfall going, I'm good to go I can deal with the smell. Um, so 6:30 rolls around and here comes two two-year-olds one out of velvet, one in velvet, I actually have it on video and they're actually coming. From the southeast and so they got the wind at their backs they come in and they're coming to a muscanine flat there's a bunch of muscanines in this thicket and that's why I was hunting there I'll get into the hunt breakdown in a minute but they were coming to eat muscanines and it's early in the season and these two year olds weren't really paying attention to wind they were just coming in there to eat and they looped around a little bit and got into 25-30 yards of me and the first one who was in velvet he stops sticks his head up in the air and starts smelling now granted the wind is blowing literally from them to me but it's one mile an hour to no wind at all um so he stops nose up in the air starts smelling gets a little nervous kind of backs out wants to come back and in back in and eat walks over a little bit, and then he's like, nope, I'm out of here. I smell something I don't like, turns around, walks out of there. The other one comes in, and, Kevin, you've seen the footage. He throws his head up in the air and starts smelling and looking up there at me. Mm-hmm. And he backs out of there, and they both trot off. And I'm like, my gosh. this. I mean, I had the wind right. Thermals were Still should have been going up because it was so hot. I mean, they, they, I wasn't 100% sure if they were dropping yet. But um, let, let's say that they were. Um, I cut the machine off. I turned the Ozonics off. 30 minutes later, here comes the 10-point I want to shoot. Four-year-old. He comes in. He's got the wind right. He comes in, loops in way downwind of the Muscadines, and actually way downwind of me and comes right under me, and I shoot him at four steps. Never had a clue I was in the world, bebopping through there. Started out on the same trail those two-year-olds were on, I could see out in the woods, but then he looped way out to get downwind to the muscadines and come in. Um, So that was kind of the icing on the cake with me and Ozonics. Um, they're, They're bulky, they're hard to set up, they're noisy, um, as far as the plastic and all that, all of that would have been worth it if it, it had worked in the multiple situations that I've tried. Uh, guys that use them and swear by them, more power to you, not bashing the product. I'm just giving my experience with them, and my experience is not good. So we try to keep it real and provide value where it is. Um, th- that's my experience, and so there you have it. That's Ozonics. What do you think?
1: yeah i'm i'm the same way i i've saw it you know working in kansas where we were still getting busted with the thermals falling and i've even used them you know a few years ago on my own and i've used them in honey holes where i've at least seen does and things like that and i've had a good wind and i'd get skunked so um it's just more crap to carry that i think it's just a gimmick so um i don't use them at all
0: there you have it we'd love to get y'all's feedback um i I know again two of my good buddies use them and and you know they kill big deer and and swear by them so uh that that's the take on ozonics let's dump into mock scrapes because i'm headed to alberta tomorrow i mean this this won't air till next week so when this airs i will actually be in alberta Uh, but when I get home, I'm going to be moving all my cameras to natural scrapes and mock scrapes. So I've been at, asked quite a bit about how do you create a mock scrape? What's a mock scrape? All that sort of stuff. Uh, to simplify it and speed things up, guys. If you want to go to Don Higgins's YouTube channel, he's got a really detailed video there on mock scrapes, and it shows you step by step how to do it. Uh, you know, I. I've, I've probably modified that. Um, I bought a bunch of the rope uh, for the for the rope scrapes, but it's still got a real chemical smell to it, so I'm not going to use that. I'm going to find existing scrapes, open them up, and I probably will put some buck urine in there to get them going, but you don't have to. I mean, they see them, and if it's a scrape they've used in the past and you open it up, they'll hit it again. Uh, I normally don't mess with the licking branches. Um, I will... It, it, when I do the rope scrape, I will, you know, I'll, I'll dump some, some buck, tarsal, tarsal, some orbital gland in, in the ropes. But again, just go check out the Don Higgins YouTube channel. And he's got a whole thing on rope scrapes and a mock scrape. Literally, I go in with a hard tooth rake, rake, rake it out big, about three feet by three feet, dump some buck urine in there and put my camera on it and just let it bake and what what will happen what normally happens they'll start hitting them at night as soon as they come out of velvet I already I posted a picture this morning of a three-year-old hitting one at night he came in heads up in the branches it was one I made last Saturday uh, some of our bucks are still in velvet they're, they all should be out by the end of next week I would think and they're going to start hitting the scrapes and they'll start hitting them at night and that's okay it's okay that they're hitting them at night now because as soon as those temperatures drop and those does get ready they're going to be coming through there in daylight so it's good for them to be hitting them at night i mean sure you'd love for them to hit them in daylight but it's all right don't don't freak out if it's only at night because if they're coming through there you get the same buck on that scrape multiple times at night buddy when it gets to be right he's going to come through there in daylight yeah i'll be
1: in there for sure. sure um yeah i do the same thing some sometimes i won't even put buck urine in mine I'll just put a I'll kick it out with with my boots I try to put one near all of my stands I'll try to kick one out with my boots just to give them something to look at and um, get them to stop without you having to stop them Uh, that's worked for me in the past Uh, and then once they if they establish it they'll they'll send it up on their own
0: yeah without a doubt I just I do it just to do it just to I don't think it can hurt um and and so yeah I, I throw the urine in there and absolutely man if if a big dominant buck has got his hackles up and he's coming through and does are starting to get right he's going to walk up to that scrape Yep. now when they're running and rutting and chasing and and does are breeding they could give two durns about a scrape but buddy this magic time this pre-rut that's coming up man mock scrapes are deadly i want one near every stand every funnel every pinch point that i'm hunting in i want a mock scrape in there
1: yeah and regardless of if they're wide open or not it's still a good place to put a camera to get an inventory of what's coming through there that time of year I always want to put it on a the bigger the scrape the better for me um like a what what are they called um what are the big community scrapes community scrapes yep lost the word for a second but yeah that and I guess creek crossings are what I'm going to be moving my uh my cameras to
0: pinch points big funnels which you know for me is is really hard to get I have a few of them on the on the swamp land that i hunt here in, in south carolina but there aren't major terrain features it's so wow. flat we, we've got some deep creeks that, that have crossings that you can get on and then what i call a funnel is when you have fresh cutovers that are super super thick and then like wood lots in between them i'll call that a funnel and then even even the edge of a cutover in hardwoods can be a funnel them working you know with them working the edges
1: yeah i got um when we were out at your club i got video of those three bucks it was i think late november they were running together i think it was like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and they were working the edge of that cutover and the edge of the swamp
0: don't they talk fall, about yeah don't. that
1: spot Xnay on the omp way. <laughs> don't talk about <laughs> well, that you're gonna spot. find that spot yes they are anyway <laughs> they were there and yeah, I saw them. <laughs> you saw them
0: with your own eyes.
1: I got video of them. Yeah, you did. One of them tried Work, to run you over and them at Oh yeah. I, he didn't like me in his house. Well, I mean, I might have to see if I can get that off my old phone and maybe put it up on here. Hey, buddy.
0: Yeah, you should. Uh, that would be cool. neat. And so everybody, the, the, the question is to be, what were y'all doing in there? I actually 10-ringed a buck, and he ran – well, a 10-ring might be an exaggeration. I, he was quartering away, and I did hit him a little bit back, but hit him really good. And he ran into this big, giant slough that was probably 150 yards wide. He ran out in that slough and drowned in it. or it, we, we never, I never could find him. I followed blood for 70 yards. He hit that water – and so we were in there looking for that buck and never did find him.
1: And it was deep. It was almost over my waist, or so it was not that I'm very tall, but it was at least like four and a half feet deep. There so Hayes
0: would have needed a snorkel. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> he would have uh, had to float in on some ozonics. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh anyway yeah uh, they, they like them edges
0: yeah all right so mock scrapes ozonics let's get to a season update um like i said earlier it's
1: been a great start for me G- give them um oh yeah we we didn't even talk about your other your other kill i was gonna say let's give them uh like your stand set up and stuff but we'll get into that
0: yeah well, you want to go first or you want me to go, yeah, first? go ahead okay all right opening day um let's see, this was August 15th here in South Carolina, that's our opener, um, had a really good funnel, found a bachelor group of bucks. They were feeding in a rather large food plot on this property I had permission to hunt on, but it, they were all nocturnal. And so I was trying to figure out where they were bedding and see, seeing if I could cut them off. And there was a two-year-old cutover That was so thick and so hot, and everything was grown up about waist high to maybe shoulder height. And I I said, There's no way they're bedding in this because it's too hot. The the bugs would be eating them. It's just too hot. There's no shade out there. Well, there was a little sliver of woods that went back to the river and it opened up into big hard woods. And I said, They've got to be bedding on that river, but it was too late in the year for me to get back in there and you know I wasn't going to go bump them um so what I did is kind of in the halfway point I found some muscadines and I found some pawpaws that, that's a tree that we have here some guys say they're toxic to deer but I've actually seen deer eat them with my own eyeballs so and the deer didn't fall over dead so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah yeah I mean he could have walked off and died but Anyway, they were eat, it was pawpaw trees and muscadines. Obviously, muscadines, you've heard us say it multiple times, that's a big food source. It's really kind of a snack for them. They love them, but they're, they're not going to get a ton of them. Um, so, so it was a perfect staging area. Put my camera in there, and sure enough, all five bucks, some does. They were coming in there 30 minutes before dark, and then they were obviously heading out to the food plot. So I'm watching that camera, watching that camera, and this is going to sound like a sales pitch, but it is not a sales pitch because we are not sponsored by them. But we get an overhead red moon. No, it was underfoot red moon. You can go back and look at the moon guide for August 15th. It's a red moon day, and the 14th was a red moon day as well. And I'm not kidding you. I've got the trail camera footage. On the 14th, they daylighted on those muscadines. So the morning of the 15th, let everything kind of clear out 10 o'clock in the morning. No, it was 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock in the morning, I snuck in there, hung my stand, got everything set up, and the temperatures were actually dropping. It was, it was like 78 that afternoon, and we had like a 6 to 10 mile an hour wind out of the southwest. I mean, it was perfect conditions. And I got my stand. I was about 30 yards from the Muscadines, and had a you know really good hole to shoot through and it it really was just like clockwork two little bucks show up at six o'clock a doe a doe group doe and fawn group show up they're all feeding around on these muscadines in there and we'll do a hunt breakdown on the joe miles youtube joe miles hunting youtube channel and show the footage because i got all of this on video and then seven o'clock super early here they come it's uh, the, the whole group five bachelor bucks and two of the younger ones come bebopping right in um, another one comes in and then I see him and the two older ones he, he was a five-year-old big six point uh, you know kind of hang back for a minute but once those other bucks came through there and kind of spread out and started feeding here they come and I didn't waste any time I mean he walked in I got drawn quarter and away perfect um, shot him a little bit low but it's it's Right through the heart, and he took off running. And of course, where does he run?
1: The thickest, nastiest. <laughs> he ran right out <laughs> that two-year-old cutover,
0: right out in that two-year-old cutover, beelined at eighty yards. Right, I heard him run into a stop, a big blowdown crash. Got down, followed him out in there. Lucky I didn't step on a rattlesnake or a water moccasin. Mm. And then I got to thinking. I said, Kevin is forty-five minutes away. I did offer to come you, help. You did, you did, you did. Um, my son has started college, so I called my wife, and I was like, hey, can Jack come down here and help me? She says, no, he's got some fraternity function thing he's got to go to.
1: Priorities.
0: Yeah, priorities. So, so then I said, well, can you come help me? She goes, <laughs> yeah, right. She, she goes, she said, uh, you want me to hold a light or something?
1: <laughs> I'll send the French bulldogs. <laughs>
0: I'll send Sammy and Brennan and Dale and they can hook, hook them up to a harness. And yeah, pull it, like sled dog. Yeah. So, needless to say, uh, that was a bad idea. And I did call you, or I text you. I text you and you said, I'm happy to come help. And I said, no, I'll figure it out. And so, I, I just got in there and, and five feet at a time, I needed the exercise anyway. Got him out of there, got him gutted, loaded up. And um, just a push. A, a, perfect textbook early season hunt um, on a funnel in a staging area before they got out into the food plot because they were getting out there at night and when we do the hunt breakdown it'll make a lot more sense than than on this podcast but the the wind direction was key too it'll be interesting how you know it actually was that edge wind that guys talk about where it was good for them but I was far enough away from the muscadines that it was good for me too Uh, so we'll break all that down all right kev we got time
1: you want me to go for mine or you want to do your second one no
0: you go ahead let's go in order okay you, you were next so time. yeah mine
1: mine was a day later i think it was the 16th um and we it was still on that cool uh that cool spell it was actually switched out of the southwest to the northwest because i remember i had to go in there that um I, I did a hanging hunt because I didn't have anything for a north wind we didn't have it's never always south a, yeah we've never had a north north wind that early but anyway um were you sat when you're saddle I was in the saddle I'll I'll get into that um so I had this deer on camera since like the end of May on a mineral site and um I basically watched him on camera he he wasn't, like, a daily thing. It, it seemed like it was every, like, once every week he would show up, and it was in the afternoon – or, no, I'm sorry. It was early in the morning, right after daylight, and I was like, that's kind of weird, but I can make it work. Um,
0: so he's bedding in there, you think?
1: Yeah. It, I f- I found on the property there's this low area where it. I guess it would flood um, if we got a lot of rain because it was – It was like almost like the swampy black ground and it had a ton of green briar in it in the spring and summertime and i and they were all every one of it was nipped off and i was like okay and then i was walking a trail on the outskirts of this opening and i found some muscadine vines I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a good spot. Set up a um, a mineral site and see what's coming in there. And he was one of them in, the, in a bachelor group. So long story short, we get to a week before the season. I go in there to pull one of my standalone cameras because I was trying to get pictures of them coming in on a, see which trails he was preferring to come in on. So I backed off. You know like 80 yards or so and put put a regular just standalone camera non-text camera on a trail that I could get to easily um I'm going in there in the middle of the day it's like a weekend and the neighbor is cutting a like tractor path which isn't far from the spot I was hunting he's cutting basically his property line that always helps for no for no reason. So he's just chainsawing, chainsawing, and I'm like, "Well, this deer is gone." So, um, long story short, the day I think it was opening day, that afternoon, right at dark, um, he shows up, and I was like, "There's no way he's gonna he's gonna hang around," and with the pressure next door. Um, I probably get a lot of flack for it, but I took the old—I call it the longbow. <laughs> it's got a bolt and a trigger, and it uses um this this mean sand. It makes a boom. But anyway, I was like, he, they he, make fireworks out of that. So <laughs> <laughs> he could. It, some people call it spicy rain when you get hit. By, <laughs> if you get hit by. It. Anyway, I took my gun in there because I was like, this dude's gonna chase him off, and sure as hell um when i went back in there there was a gigantic tripod stand right on the property line so this
0: is a permission spot that multiple people have permission neighbors hunt
1: like crazy and there Uh, are these huge dogs that just run the property anyway i didn't think i would have time with the little guy and all that and i figured he'd be long gone um and i was like you know what I don't have a spot for this wind. I'm gonna go in there with my stuff on my back and my rifle and see if I can get it done, get the monkey off my back because I don't know how much I'm gonna be able to hunt with the little guy. And anyway, it's not an excuse. No, you. I mean, it's a great buck. I mean, yeah. They, so, they put it up on the on the ICO page today. I mean, it,
0: it's a it's a beautiful buck, and and I mean, I think that's that's a great example of why would would anybody give you flack for that
1: right well i will say i shot them made an awesome shot on them with the rifle and i it's not the it's not the excitement with the bow i mean i shoot a lot of i've shot a lot of guns i grew up with guns and it's like and i shot with the bow a lot but I definitely could have moved in hindsight. I probably could have moved in closer and zap.
0: But I am sure we've got listeners that rifle hunt, and there is oh, yeah. absolutely and it's, yeah, it's legal here. nothing. Absolutely, I am. I am all for it, man. If it, I guarantee you, before you move that pull that trigger, your heart was racing and oh, you were yeah. fired up. I was
1: getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> but anyway, South Carolina
0: bird of so, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's our that's our state bird. bird. State bird. Anyway. Um, so you got him killed. I went in there. I found a tree, um, downwind of where he was coming in. Um, and I, um, I only went like two sticks high because I couldn't see. I was, it was only about a 50, 60 yard shot, but the canopy was so thick. It's a really thick spot. I couldn't see very far. So I went out, found a double trunk tree. Got on the back side of it, um, went two sticks high with the novik sticks, put up my platform, hooked in with my saddle, and um it was a red another red moon yeah. date. Those and three
0: three together, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen.
1: I wasn't set up like by the time I got there after work, it was probably pushing five forty five by the time I got set up and um it wasn't like five minutes, five or 10 minutes after I was settled in, I already a doe and a, a fawn walk through and I was like, holy moly. And then I looked at my, my phone and uh, I had another text camera on the other side of the property and there were deer walking through there. And I was like, this is about to be, oh. they're gonna come in early, early. Sure as crap right at dark almost too dark to see <laughs> and i didn't i didn't see one mosquito maybe one the whole hunt and i was like well i had the can of spray in my bag didn't put it on and as soon as i get on the gun i'm getting lit up i remember getting on the gun leveling it and peeking at my right hand and i had like 10 mosquitoes on this one i had a handful on this literally a handful on this one and they're all over in my face and i showed you it had it looked like it had chicken pox on my hands i was gonna say monkey pox, monkey pox. Yeah, yeah chicken pox is that uh politically correct oh these yeah, days? yeah monkey, pox. monkey pox anyway um he gave me a good shot blasted him joe was in bed Couldn't yeah, i was me. definitely in bed if yeah. it was eight thirty. yeah so um a lot of all, all my other buddies were were busy um my one buddy Braden. um if you're listening Braden, thank you but i ended up i called him because he's kind of a night owl and uh i was like you want to quarter up a deer and he's like come on over i got beer in the fridge but <laughs> anyway one good thing i don't know if you ever got if you guys have ever used it but if you have a rope man ascender for your your tether for your um your saddle it's good to wrap that around the deer's neck and hook it to a whatever you got in your in your truck bed and pick his head up and that'll hold it in place while you get the ass end up in the tree or up in the tree up in the the bed of the truck yeah i didn't have one of those (laughs) Yeah, i don't even know how you did that without tearing the the velvet but that's how i had to do it and i uh i still struggled a little bit that's pretty awkward but but that's um that's my story for the first buck hopefully ain't the last of this year. no no he won't be all right we'll get into our get into your well let's take a a quick break let me reset this all
0: right second buck i you know i touched on it earlier with the ozonics but i think we should go back to how i found the deer because this is a pretty good one Mm -hmm. 10.4 year old um and he's he's gonna score right at 130 which for us is a is a pretty good that's a hammer yeah yeah it's it's a good buck how i found out about this deer was from human intel this we need to do another hunt
1: breakdown of this too oh is that that deer yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) they shouldn't have said that (laughs) so i wouldn't want (laughs) to be a deer with that kind of intel out and joe knowing about it
0: so one of the caretakers of this property um told me that coming in the front gate of the property three mornings in a row right at daylight right before daylight he saw the biggest deer he's seen on the property coming out of some ag going back into a hunt club that i'm a member of so, he wasn't actually on okay, the yeah. property that the uh, caretaker worked for. Um, he was going into a property that I'm a hunt club member of. So, naturally, what do I do? I go in and scatter trail cameras all over everywhere. I'm glassing the beans. I can't find him. Like something is, is just... I don't know how he's getting through here, and I can't find him. So, I... I <laughs> cast the net wider and further away and I looked at a map and I said all right if he's going in there's this huge field that is kind of grown up and again way too hot for him to bed in and like half a mile from this ag is a is a big corridor of probably 15 year old 20 year old hardwoods I mean it's it's big enough that you can see see through it pretty good and walk through it no problem and I said maybe he's maybe he's bedding in there uh so I went in there and I had a mineral lick in in part of this an old mineral lick and I the hogs turned it into a hog wallow because we've got mm-hmm. so many hogs but I threw a camera up on that and lo and behold I get a nighttime picture of him and it's like so, oh no I guess it was 10 o'clock at night so I'm like and, and he was the direction he was walking. He was heading towards that ag, and I said, "This buck is bedding almost a mile because you always hear early season they're bedding yeah. right by the ag." Yep, I, I mean literally but the way a crow flies is three quarters of a mile where I got this picture, and it was it was dark, so I pushed back further um, because I had no real game plan. You know, I mentioned earlier I didn't want to get into where they were bedding and blowing them out, but I did. I, I had no I'd, no concept of where this buck was bedding and these other deer I knew they had to be bedding on that river or they were swimming across the river which they weren't going to do but anyway I cast the net a little further back went in found briars you mentioned that earlier Mm -hmm. where they just I call them cat briars but there's those green briars eaten down in this little thicket and muscadine vines everywhere and they had actually pulled some of the vines down so I was like all right got to be something good here through my camera, through a camera on that, and this was last week that I threw the camera on the muscadines in that little little thicket. And Saturday morning, I'm actually going out to move some other cameras and pull that stand that I'd killed the deer out of. And at nine fifty in the morning, I get a notification. And voila, that buck is standing there eating muscadines. And I'm like, I mean, 9.50 in the morning, no no rhyme or reason, there he is. And he's there for 45 minutes. And he leaves. And when he leaves, I'm going to have to leave a portion of this story out (laughs) because this is a hunt club. And I don't want the whole world to know right where I killed him. So... There was a little bit more to this, but anyway, the buck left, and I go in and hang my stand at eleven o'clock in the morning, and I got back in there at five fifteen, five thirty, and again set up the Ozonics. We kind of already been through that. He looped way downwind of me, and I um, I shot him at four steps straight down basically through the top of the scapula all the way through him I put a blood trail up of him uh the last he went 80 yards the last I guess 50 yards it it was just it was awesome it was awesome and go ahead I'm sorry
1: now I was gonna say so you went in there midday hung your set what was your uh what did the setup look like what kind of stand and sticks and-
0: absolutely so i went five sticks high because i had um a, a higher canopy and and this time of year i like to get higher because the humidity is so bad and the scent is so bad so i love i like to get it, i'm comfortable five sticks high after that i get a little nervous i get a little uh what do you call it um vertigo not vertigo but scared of heights whatever that is <laughs> is that vertigo? scared of heights yeah i'm scared of heights when it gets that high <laughs> Vertigo is when you flip upside down, right?
1: I don't know. It's when you, you, you get kind of like almost dizzy, I think. That's what happens to me. If I'm if I'm not holding on to something and I'm high up, I'll just be – if I go past <laughs> eye level, I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, balls. <laughs> you don't like that. No, I do not enjoy it. But I'll get up there high. I mean, we were up like six or seven sticks one time in Illinois, and I got a nosebleed, remember that?
0: Yeah, I do remember that. It wasn't
1: from the altitude, but it was from that cold air. And I remember turning around, looking down at you. I was like, you got a tissue? And you're like, holy shit. (laughs) My face is full of blood. Anyway, so you're up there pretty high.
0: Yeah, five sticks high. Um, I had one of the old original lone wolf stands. Um, I did have to trim a few small shooting lanes. But for me, that that really is my quote unquote hanging hunt. Uh, because then, I mean, obviously you're sweating your bag mm-hmm. off, you know, and so I was able to leave, go home, get a shower, and then come back in there fresh, but then, you know, after sitting there for an hour, you're sweating again, but but still, th- that's kind of my my thing is, is, you know, I will hang and hunt for sure, and especially when I go to the Midwest, and I'm trying to hunt all day if I've got to move or something, um, but, but for this one, got it hung in the middle of the day, I guess, I you could you could literally say cell camera and human intel knowing the buck was there cell camera and then using kind of the deductive reasoning of where would be a practical place for him to be bedded all of that you know kind of went into went into play in a in a real safe travel corridor that that had no pinches what what killed him was that food you know yep. kind of that, that those muscadines and the cell camera you know that that's what got him um and I guess I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, we're talking about the blood trail. Uh, we we actually did another heavy light arrow test today, and it even shot the arrow that or the broadhead that I shot through that deer. Um, and I think we both have completely made our mind up. You know, really no questions. the The, the tripan that Rage tripan broadhead is devastating. Gets plenty of penetration for whitetail and uh is tough you know it's yep. a tough head the b- blades will bend some but there's there's too many advantages to me once again than, than disadvantages and I, we, we don't need to get into a whole heavy light
1: yeah but w- one thing I mean it, just that the size of the cut um we went down the road of the the cut on contact small you know uh fixed blades and some people call that the plan b setup so if you hit bone or something like that but i think our setups with the bigger cut is more of a plan b setup you you're more likely to hit this big stomach area and you know hit liver and in the stomach than the femur bone or whatever it is yeah so
0: in a in a two inch or sometimes two and an eighth two and a half yeah, cut. that'll save you. It'll it will there'll be a blood trail versus no blood trail.
1: But exactly.
0: The the blood trail on this one was incredible. I mean, it was I can't believe Instagram allowed it, but uh <laughs> well, I did this is funny. So, as the buck is coming in, I I thought he was going to do exactly what the young ones did, and so I just put the camera on that spot cuz I'm self-filming, mm-hmm. and you can see him in the background walk by. And then he, when he started getting way downwind of me, I got super nervous. I'm like, I'm gonna have to kill him as soon as I can. I actually almost tried to shoot him through a bush, but I, I second, I didn't. I didn't. I, I held it together and, and let him let him walk on walk on in. Um, and, and literally four steps from the bottom of the stand, straight down, basically through the top of the scapula, out the chest cavity on the other side. Seventy, and you can hear the shot go off, and you hear him run, and then you hear me go. classic uh so two two great hunts uh moving right along i'm leaving actually tomorrow midday to go to alberta i'm going to try and get on a whitetail up there don't know exactly what i'm getting into a, a guy that i've hunted with before is the guy running the deal up there and so I know they're working hard to to find some bucks and I'm sure we'll do a lot of scouting when I get there and see what's going on but I'm going to take up a, a, a mobile setup a, a lone wolf custom gear stand with me um, and some sticks and you know get up there and I may be there for 4 days I may be there for 10 days I know they've got some really big mule deer as well so nothing you know, I got no problem with a big mule deer. That's not really what I'm after or what I'm super passionate about. But if the if the whitetails are only hitting the alfalfa and canola in the afternoons and the mule deer are bedded up in the mornings and maybe do a stalk or two on a mule deer. What about you? What you got coming up?
1: Um I think probably Friday I'm going to be heading that spot in Kentucky that I went and scouted a month ago. Um, meeting with a couple buddies up there, and I'll probably just do the the Labor Day weekend deal, see what I can see. Um, I was telling you earlier, I'm probably just going to try to get up there with enough time Friday afternoon to glass a field the day before opening day, Um, and if I don't see what I want to see, I'm just going to keep getting in the observation spots and and glassing. Once the season comes in, I'll have my bow with me. I'll be in a spot where I can see far, um, but if they come by, I'll be able to shoot them, Um, but but that's about it, so it'll be like a two or three day hunt, and then I'll be back home, and I might move around a couple cell cams um, if I don't get on something, and then Make a couple runs back and forth um, later in the season.
0: So, so that's you. You made a good point and I want to unpack it a little more before we, this is going to be a little shorter podcast today. But you talked about going up and setting up an observation stand, and let's let's unpack that a little bit. What what that basically means is a lot of guys are going to run in and they're going to see the, because I. I You've got some trail cameras out and that sort of stuff, but let's just say you're going blind, right? You, you, which you kind of are going. I to. am. So, I mean, I,
1: I know there's a buck worth shooting. Um, not in, He hasn't daylighted, but um, that doesn't mean he's not, like you are saying, that doesn't mean he's not coming out and in, into one of them bean fields um, in daylight. So, so
0: you know that there's a good deer there, but you're basically going blind. You've never hunted this area. You've been out there in the spring to kind of check it out, hung a few cameras. So, so, your your plan of attack is, is this observation thing, which is genius, b- because a lot of guys would run in to an area where they think the deer is going to come out, and they're you're, you're limited. You have an a infant at home. You've got three days, three afternoons when the season comes in to get it done. Then you've got to get home for the family and the business. Yep, the business. So you're 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 doing two things you're scouting but hunting at the same time and and if you if you were to run in and just hunt where you think he is for three afternoons and you can see 75 yards in each direction you you may get super super lucky and kill him but the chances are not real good so so by getting back where you can really see you're still kind of in the game but you're in a place where you can really see multiple bean fields, hundreds of yards. You've got your binoculars with you. You're covering a ton of ground and all it takes is a glimpse of his antlers. Mm-hmm. And and he's pretty much this time of year coming out in the same spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that and that's what I was that's the main reason I wanted to do the observation stand is I want to see him you know where he's coming out because if I just dive in there I have an idea couple of a couple spots where i think he'd be bedded but if i just dove in there and he came out downwind to me somewhere then that's it's over so i'll see exactly where or try to see exactly where he comes out and then go in there you know midday the next day or just do a hanging hunt and you know see if he comes out again downwind of that trail but like you're saying he's probably going to do the same thing as long as he doesn't get busted so yeah. cool man well good luck in
0: kentucky i'll keep you posted on alberta yeah. but um guys thank y'all again we appreciate it feedback we love to have it and we'll do some of these hunt breakdowns on the youtube channel where we can put up some really fancy drawings and maps Yeah, we love maps <laughs> on the whiteboard on the whiteboard yeah we'll get the whiteboard
1: up all right guys have a good one we'll and, talk to you soon and we'll have that um the arrow the arrow build the 450 verse 650 um, arrow weight test the trajectory and penetration up and speed and speed um, that'll be up in the next week or so
0: yeah and that's going to be real fascinating and and I I mentioned it uh, multiple times you know as we're filming no dog in the fight the best setup not sponsored by heavy arrows light arrows any arrows for that matter and and it's it really does it's eye-opening what we kind of uncover
1: yeah and some of it might seem biased but it's because of all the past testing that we've we've done and there's just one in our opinion that's obviously better one setup that's better yeah cool
0: guys thank y'all a lot we'll be back on the next episode yep
1: thanks guys